the fact that you are all here says something about you guys. And by the way, where I come from, when you say you guys, that involves guys and girls. So I got in trouble over that one time when I said that. And anyways, uh, you could be somewhere else, but you chose to be here. Um, maybe this is the brightest and best group we've ever had here. So I'm really, really glad you're all here. You know, uh, Luke, he uh, talked about what he talked about. Everything that's going to go on in this session is because there's truth. Otherwise, I might as well not be here because everything we'll talk about is based on truth. I'm not going to do all the talking. I'm not a preacher. Um, I've never been really well at getting up front and just talking. I really want to hear from you guys. And uh, so we'll open up some subject here. And I found over time that I can learn an awful lot from young people. And I'm really grateful for that. So don't think you don't have anything to offer. You have a lot to offer to my generation. As well as my generation has a lot to offer to you. Um, I've experienced a lot of life. I've lived in different places. I've gone through a lot of different things. I've had some good times, had some tough times. And experience creates um, knowledge and a few other things and so on. <clears throat> okay, just for my information, how many of you were here last year? Would you raise your hand? Okay, quite a few. Um, how many have never been here before? Okay. There's a fair amount there. How many are 19 years and older? Raise your hand. Not a terrible lot of them. How many are 18 years and younger? Okay. So just trying to figure out a little bit of who I'm talking to and, and so on. Um. You know, when Luke talked about what he talked about, that is the world that you live in. When I grew up, there was no cell phones. There was no computer. When I was your age, them things didn't exist. You know, we just went out and we did a lot of things and we played a lot of ball and we did a lot of things, a lot of activities, and uh, we weren't hampered. Is that a correct word? We weren't tied down with things like cell phones. And, uh, you know, we just, they, they didn't exist, so it wasn't, it wasn't something that was uh, something that we faced. What you're facing at your age is a difficult world, and I never had to face that when I was a youth. And I respect you for that. You live in a tough world, and you are going to have to figure out how to navigate through this world, you are the next church, if I can say it that way. You're part of the current church. You will be the leader of the next church. And your worldview will affect that and will affect it a lot. Of teaching what kind of people 
will you be? What's going to be going on then? <clears throat> okay. Um, what I want to address in a very direct way is the fact that um, what it is, what is possible for you to become? What can you be? From a, from a, as far as good and as far as evil. There's a potential of every person in here doing tremendous things for God. Every single person. There's tremendous, there's a possibility of also some tremendous evil. And what you do, the choices you make in the next 10 years will make a huge difference on your life. So them are some of the things that, that uh, I'm going to be looking at. <clears throat> um, so in the, in the, with thinking of looking at the possibility of you going the wrong direction and the possibility of you being a tremendous asset to Christianity, each one of you can be the next Amy Carmichael, the next Hudson Taylor, the next uh, whatever, as far as good, our, um, Hitler was once a little baby, and he turned out to be a tremendous evil person. But one of the most important things that uh, we need to find out about your life, a couple things. One of, them, one of the questions I'm going to ask is, what is the most important, the single most important thing in your life? The most important thing. What are your thoughts? There is one thing that is more important than anything else. There's no really wrong answer, not necessarily. What you believe in? What you believe in? That has to do with it. That creates what I'm thinking about. And I think I asked this question last year. There's one thing that's more important than anything else in your life. One thing. Um, that has to do with it. That's what brings you to that. Um, well, hopefully. <laughs> well, that's what brings you there. The most important thing for every single person in this room is that they spend eternity with Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than that. Eternity is sure, and it is very, very long. Um. How many of you know what your spiritual gift is? Raise your hand. Okay, that is something that is very, very, very important for you to figure out. God has given every single one of you a gift or multiple gifts. He has given you a calling. 
And you need to learn how to follow that calling and, and do exactly what he wants you to do. Learn how to connect with him. Um, I am going to read this little thing here. And it is called an autobiography in five short paragraphs. Okay? And it says, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Second paragraph, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. Third paragraph, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are opened. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Paragraph four. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. And the last paragraph. I walked on a different street. <laughs> and, you know, that that is something that um, I want all of you to learn how to do. When I read that, can you relate to this? Can you relate to the whole? I still can. And there's been times in my life when I took a different, still times when I stumble and end up back in the same place that I kind of was. Uh, maybe not near as extensive, but you know what? We're all real and we all face life. Um, could I get a couple of people to pass these out? I want everybody to have one. I want you to look at this and try to figure out exactly where you are now. Um, could I keep one of them, please? I want this to be very practical and uh, very basic, very simple. Um, I absolutely appreciate what Luke shared because there is so tremendously, it uh, so, so resonates with what we are facing in America today, and it's not good. And so how do we walk away from this? How do we ensure that each one of us are not going that direction. And we're going to look at uh, two Bible characters today. Look at the Romans chapter 15, verse uh, 4. And it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And there's so tremendously much we can learn from Old Testament and uh, from the characters in the Old Testament and from the stories. So I'm going to look at two people, King Saul and King David. Uh, has anybody in here read A Tale of Three Kings? There's a few. Okay. And, uh, I recommend that you read that. It's by Gene Edwards. Uh, it's a very, very, very good book. 
But I started studying through uh, this a little bit, uh, um, King Saul's life, and uh, came up with some interesting things that I had never seen when I, when I, when I started studying it pretty deeply. Okay, before we go any further, I'm going to pray. Father, I just thank you that we can be here. I thank you for this group of young people. Lord, I just pray that your spirit will come down here and will touch each one of us. That you will teach us. That you will show us the way. That you will help us to understand what's important to each one of us. And that you will help us to take a really good look at who Jesus Christ is. And that he is truth. And Lord, I just ask that you empowers that they could not have any sway in this meeting at all, that you would open each one of these young people's hearts. Lord, that you would give them the ability to look at them, them pieces of papers and realize, this is me. I'm either the first, the second, the third, the fourth, or the fifth paragraph. That's who I am. Give them the ability to be honest, Father, and really see who they are. And uh, we can work from this point on. And they can become absolutely incredible in your kingdom. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, when you think of King Saul, what do you think of? What was that? Saul. When you think of King Saul, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Cowardly? Something else. What's he known for? Pride? Insecurity? Just speak this out loud. If we can not use a mic, we won't. I'm, uh, but I, I wish everybody, I mean, everybody needs to hear you because what you say is important. Um, if you have something a little longer to say, raise your hand. Maybe that'll work. Um, I guess this is what I would have said when I thought of Saul. A crazy man that was very jealous and spent tremendous energy trying to kill somebody that he shouldn't have been killing. Is that a little bit of a picture you get of Saul? Okay, you know how he started out? You ever looked at the picture of who he was to start with? <clears throat> this is who he was. He was anointed by God. Okay? Deliverer of Israel. But remembered most for his hate and jealousy of David. Who was Saul? A farm boy, a country kid, tall, good looking well-liked, baptized into the Spirit of God. Came from a good family, was humble. He united the kingdom. He created an army out of thin air. He won battles in the power of God. Broke Israel free from the Philistines. Immersed in the Spirit, a prophet. He was everything we're seeking to be. Empowered with the Holy Spirit, able to do the impossible, a leader chosen of God with power from God. 
Did you ever look at King Saul that way? That is how he started out. He started out as a tremendous instrument in God's hand. And look where he came. Look what ended up with him. He eventually was consulting witches. He was a murderer. He was a, became a terrible man. Um, so what happened? What brought Saul to that place? And I want to throw that out as a question. Uh, we'll start out with that. What created Saul to turn to become the man that he was? Any thoughts on that? Pride? Very possible. I didn't get that. Let's, uh, let's take a journey and uh, follow his story. Okay, Samuel 10, and you don't need to turn to this if you don't want to, but we're just going to be looking at a couple different things. The first place we see Saul is he's out looking for some donkeys. The donkeys were lost. He was out looking for them. He looked for three days, couldn't find them. And uh, he decided he got close to an area where he knew there was a prophet of God. He went to the prophet of God to ask God, to ask the prophet where, you know, if he could find these donkeys and so on. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit of that. First um, Samuel 10, verse 6. Um, so he met Samuel. Samuel took him home. Samuel anointed him. As king, which uh, gave him a calling directly from God. And then he said, uh, Samuel told him, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. And verse 6, and it says, And so it was when he turned his back from Saul, and God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. Um, Now, the first little something that we see that that is not good is in verse uh, 16, 15 and 16. So Saul's uncle found him and said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys have been found. And then the Bible makes a statement that to me is very, very interesting. And that said... But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell Saul what happened. Why do you think that was that he didn't tell Saul? Does someone have any thoughts on that? Because I think this is fairly important. Why wouldn't he have told his uncle that God anointed me as king? Humility? And why was it important for him to say what happened to him in his life? Kind of a quiet group. Is Freddie wouldn't believe it? Didn't 
Okay, so you're, you're saying maybe he didn't believe that he was actually anointed king? He promised that he was, yeah, that he was anointed. Okay, I never thought of that. You think he was scared? Okay. False humility? You want to enlarge on what false humility is? Okay. Timid. Why would it have been important for him to say something about that? What does the Bible tell us about our testimony, about our words? Am I think of a verse that has something to do with that? didn't write it down, but I think it is Revelations 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives unto death. So what's the possibility that there was something going on in Saul's life that he was not willing to speak up at what God had been doing in his life? The Holy Spirit came upon him. And and I'm going to relate this all to modern-day Christianity, the church age, if I can, the Spirit came upon him, which indicate that he got saved. Can anybody relate with being afraid to share, I am a Christian? And how important is it for us to speak up and say, what's going on in our life? Okay, any more thoughts on that? He didn't want it. He, he may not have, but what do you do when the Spirit of God comes on you and tells you something? And, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, a good response. So what do you do when the Spirit of God convinces you that you need to do something? And can that be a step that is very, very detrimental to your life? Okay, let's uh, let's move on. <clears throat> okay, then one of the next things that happened, and uh, so Samuel brought everybody together. We're going to give you a king. And they did all this thing of uh, figuring out who was supposed to be. They cast lots and so on. And it came on Saul. Um, but when they sought him, he could not be found. And then they found him hitting them among, among the equipment. What does that say about character? 
he was given a responsibility by God, um, but he walks away from it. What does that say about his character? And how important is it for us to pay attention to what God has to do? Was about him. Show himself to be a coward, okay. Okay, say that again. Fear of the Lord. That that is a very, very good point. He didn't want to take responsibility, exactly. What else? Afraid of failure. I think he's afraid of man. Afraid of man. Being rejected. Isn't this kind of stuff we face today? Anything else? Could it have been a lack of faith? Um, So if he wasn't, and this has come out already, but the thing of insecurity, how absolutely important is it for that to be killed in our life? Um, Do you know, and this is so important to Christianity, do you know who you are? Who are you? Who are you? Child of God. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? Now think about that. If you're a child of God, that makes you a brother of who? Brother of Christ. That puts you in what kind of family? Royalty. What have you got to fear? What have you got to be insecure about? Do you understand your value? How how do we figure out the value of a car? What is the value of a certain Pacific vehicle? A house. What is the value of that? How do you know what the value is? Someone will pay for it. That is the value. Who bought you? What did he pay for you? And, and you know, there's this saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Is that true? People are shaking their heads uh, so much. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We believe that. We're going to live that. If we believe that we are actually sons and daughters of, of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, let's live that. that that's, that's really important. Okay, any other thoughts?
Okay, and that is the question that is so important that I want us to look at. He was exactly that. And he was where a lot of you are today. But he didn't end up there. And why was there such a vast difference between him and David? And to figure out some of them, answers to some of them questions, can be very important to us. So what happened that took Saul from what you're talking about, uh, somebody that understood the spirit of, you know, he was immersed in the spirit of God. But he ended up helping witches. He ended up trying to get answers directly from the devil. He went a long ways down. Why? Uh, let's look at a couple more things. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure where to go here. Um, okay, one of the next things that... Uh, so he was crowned king. Then he... Some people came against some, uh, some uh, other nations and they asked for help and he went in there and helped them won a tremendous victory then one of the next things that happened in in his life is uh, um, the Philistines Jonathan uh, went and attacked some Philistines and then they gathered together against him and it says here the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 600 horsemen and people as the sand of the sea on the, on the seashore in multitude, King Saul had with him. He had 600 men. He was told by Samuel, by God, <clears throat> said, wait seven days. I will come and I'll offer the sacrifice. And uh, so um, he waited and his people were spreading and his people were leaving and they were going more and more and were just leaving. And... Uh, so he said, and it's in uh, verse 9 of chapter 13, it says, uh, verse 8, he, says, he waited seven days until the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come. And so Saul said, bring the offering, peace offering to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering and Samuel came, that Samuel went out to meet him and And uh, Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and you did not come within the appointed time that the Philistines gathered together, then I said, the Philistines will now swoop down on us and uh, will destroy us. And therefore, I felt compelled to offer this offering. Um, I don't know that any of us have ever faced anything quite that soon. Or have we? You know, what uh, What would be a parallel for us today if we were faced with uh, something like that? Money? Um, some difficulties in uh, finances or something like that? And uh, do we make wrong choices because we are faced with tough things? So we we see that Saul was slowly just stepping away further and further and further away. And uh, so what should have he done? I mean, the obvious thing is, what should have he done? 
had faith. I'm going to read a little further in here. He says, I was compelled and offered the burnt offering. So I said to him, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall be not continued. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept the command of God. <clears throat> So this right here would have given him the ability. Um, the Bible says that. Uh, I'm kind of losing it here. Sorry about that. Okay, here's a, here's a question. When Saul came to, when Samuel came to Saul and uh, showed him that, listen, you could have been obedient. This will establish your kingdom forever. Was there a way for Saul, could have he done something different? Or... Was this something that was out of his control? Could have he repented at this point in time? I, I think he could have. What should have his response been when he was faced with something like this? Do you remember Jonathan and what he did over this very time? And I'm going to read a little bit of that. <clears throat> um So Jonathan uh, said to his armor bearer, "Let's go out and look at. Uh, let's go out and see what God can do for us." And in verse eight, it says, "Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, "Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few." And then, this, then he said, uh, "So if uh, let's show ourselves to the Philistines, and if God." And if they say, come over here, then we'll know God's telling us to go over there. And if he's saying, stay there and come and we'll show you something. And then we are supposed to stay here. And uh, in verse 12, he says, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. That should have been what Saul should have been doing, not Jonathan. Uh, But because of cowardness, because of fear, and so on. He didn't do that. Okay, then one of the next things that happened in this whole story of, of uh, David and Saul was he was, our, he was told to go to completely wipe out the Amalekites. And uh, because of what the Amalekites had done to the children of Israel. And it says here, and then Saul uh, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from 
Havilith, all the way to Shur, which is the east side of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But all and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, and the fatling and the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they destroyed. So here is incomplete obedience. And uh, then Samuel came. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up call at Saul asking, for he has turned back from Saul and has not performed my commandment. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. So Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, and it was told Saul, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Samuel told him when you were small in sight in your own eyes that God set you over all these people. Now he's building a monument for himself. What does that say about him? He became proud. What does power do to people? How many people can actually handle power? Total authority. And that's what he had. Only a man after God's own heart. Any other thoughts? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read a couple verses here. And this is, this is a tremendous, tremendous key to what was started taking. So, and that is um, verse 15. I'm going to read three different verses. Verse 15. And... and uh, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and sacrificed to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then in verse 21, But the people took the thunder, sheep and oxen, and the best of the things which have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And then also in verse 30, and And he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me so that I may worship your God. There's one little word in there that really, really shows a lack in King Saul's life. And all three of them. That is one little word where it says your. Your God. He told Samuel that, uh, you know, these three different times, I want to worship Lord your God. So it was not his God. There was no relationship with that. You know, you guys are here at this Bible school, and, and uh, you've been at other Bible schools and so on. And it's really easy for us as people to go to something like this here, get all pumped up, see people that get up like Luke just did and give this tremendous um, interesting talk of the whole reality of what we're facing and so on. It's to lift them up and want to be like them. Can you relate to that? And uh, so he acts. That was a really big part of him going the wrong direction because... God 
was not personal to him. Even though in the beginning um, he was baptized in the Spirit and it became, the, it, but somewhere that changed. Okay, I want to look at this whole thing of. Uh, okay, so, um, I'm not quite sure what verse is here. But when Samuel came to Saul, verse uh, 22, and then Samuel, verse 21, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering as in sacrifice? As in, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Sacrifice and to heed is better than fat of rams for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has rejected you from being king okay why is he saying here that what Saul did was rebellion Where did, why is this rebellion what Saul did why was that rebellion He disobeyed God. What makes that rebellion? And then when you when you look at this and it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, is disobeying that serious? And why is it that serious? What is disobeying when you have a clear command from God? He had a clear command from God. Why is that rebellion? Why is that like witchcraft? He was putting something or someone else in the vision of God. He was putting something or someone else in the vision of God. And this himself. And the thing of of rebellion has dire consequences. And so in in saying um, rebellion, when we just do a simple thing of disobedience, putting ourselves in the place of of God, which is re, which is rebellion, um, uh, and that is as bad as witchcraft. Um, does anybody know the history of the Roaring Sixties, where uh, the hippie movement came out? Anybody read through that? Uh, what do you know about that? It is something that changed this whole country. And uh, because of rebellion. And uh, I remember years ago, I was just a young guy, uh, 10, 11. I had a cousin that lived uh, in a big city not from us, and his parents were really worried about him. And they asked him if we would take care of him out on our farm for a little while. And uh, so we went and picked this guy up. We met him halfway and picked this guy up. His hair was down here, really, really nice. He kept it nice and clean. Uh, he had a hippie walk and they, just all this stuff. Um, he told us some stories of why he was willing to leave all his friends and so on. And uh, so with the rebellion in the 60s and this whole movement of 
do your own thing, be your own thing. It's just a very big part of what Luke was talking about. Um, he said he, was, he went to a meeting, and a bunch of guys stood around the table, and they placed their hands on this table. And uh, he said they slowly lifted their hands up. I mean, hands flat on the table, slowly lifted their hands up, and the table came with it. And with that rebellion came tremendous amounts of witchcraft as well. And <clears throat> so do we see the seriousness of the fact of um, disobedience? It's not just not obeying. It's not just kind of doing our own thing. It is actually telling God that, you know, God, you're not important. What's important is me and, and uh, so on. Okay, and then in here it, it, uh, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And this would be tremendously powerful. And then it goes on to say, uh, Therefore, pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the, the Lord. And I'm going to drop a couple of verses here. In verse 30, he says, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. And uh, this whole thing of, <clears throat> so he, he says, uh, I have sinned, but can there ever be a but when we are saying, I have sinned? Remember what David did when the prophet came to him when he had sinned? I have sinned. And, and that was simply the end of it. Um, but he said, I have sinned, but honor me before the people. And uh, do we do that in any or in any way personally? Can you think of some way that we do the very exact same thing? I have sinned, but honor me before the people. You ever gone into a hospital? And you see these big plaques, and it's people that have given money. Is that is that the same thing? Okay. Any any other thoughts on that? Um, Verse sixteen, chapter sixteen, talks about David being anointed. And uh, that whole story of what happened to him. And then in verse 14 it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Um, how, can, how can that be that a, de- that a depressing spirit is actually from the Lord? Um, I have never dealt very much with depression. Um, <clears throat> I got last uh, year ago, a little over a year ago, we got COVID. I was pretty sick, and uh, things were a little bit rough for a little while. And the whole thing of, of moving and being away from the people that I knew, 
for the first time in my life, I experienced some depression, and it's very, very difficult. But what, how can this, <clears throat> what, is there any thoughts on this thing of, and from the Lord? What would happen to create that? Um, why would God give a, a depressing spirit to somebody? Any thoughts on that? There's uh, another man in uh, the Bible where it says that God hardened his heart, and that was Pharaoh. Did Pharaoh have a choice, or did God just harden his heart? Did Saul have a choice, or did God just send this depressing spirit upon him? Any thoughts on that? Okay. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then later God hardened his heart. Um, Saul consistently, one step after another step after another step, made bad decisions, made decisions that were in disobedience or pride or self-glorification. And uh, so finally, um, it just comes to the point where God's done. And... uh, that would be a very, very difficult time, place to be. Okay, any other thoughts? <clears throat> Is there a distinction that could be made between, say, Pharaoh, who chose to harden his heart, even Saul here, to, to making and to practicing that type of behavior versus making yourself experience depression in your own life? Is there a distinction? That, that, that's a good question. And uh, there's some people that experience a lot of depression. Um, there's a friend of mine that went through depression for many, many, many years. And if I'd say his name, you'd probably know him. He's on Facebook quite a bit. Um, but he worked his way through that. And uh, today, he is affecting a tremendous amount of people. And as we look a little bit more at the life of of David, um, 
And I'm going to put this question out for you to think about a little bit. Um, is it possible to really, really draw close to God and become um, someone that can really affect a lot of people, someone that is really close with God? Uh, can you grow to become some sort of suffering? And uh, tomorrow we'll talk more about David, what created somebody like him. Um, my opinion is he was possibly one of the greatest kings it ever was. And uh, what produced that in him. And uh, so think about that a little bit. Is it possible to really, really be what God wants us to be without going through some suffering? And I see people shaking their heads. Um, but doesn't that seem a little ironic that God would make us go through that? And what is the purposes of it? That's very true. It's very good. <clears throat> okay, any other thoughts? I think we're going to close this up here right shortly. That's very true. That is very, very true. Okay, anything else? <clears throat>
Okay. So there can be a, there can be some suffering that is self-induced. There can be suffering that is uh, because of uh, <clears throat> teaching, training, and uh, then there is suffering that people go through because they're trying to make themselves holy. And, and that does not work. Okay, any other thoughts? Okay, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be looking at David here next.